This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Some days are terrible. You wish that you were dead. And some days are magical, like grape banana bread. Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads. The voices in our heads. Hello, everybody, and congratulations on not taking your own life. Even though death is real and time is fake, I'm happy you're here. My name is Christina Marie Hutchinson. Welcome to the voices in our heads. And this is going to be another lovely episode because I'm still in a good mood, y'all. It lasted for more than a week. Woohoo! That's cool. Um. Oh, I went. I okay. So I went to fucking. Well, it was one of my really good friends that I love very much. It was his birthday, and so we spent the day together. And we went to an arcade in Asbury Park. Uh, it's a pinball. It's a pinball museum, technically, and it was really fun. And then we went. <laughs> we went to see a movie. All the AMC theaters. Good job on you, AMC, getting those recliner seats that are leather and not material, because if they were material, they would be stiffed and caked in jizz and fluids. But uh, so good call on that pleather or leather. Hopefully it's pleather and a bunch of cows didn't have to get killed so that we could watch a movie in goddamn comfort, because that's kind of fucking rude. You know what I'm saying? But uh, we saw A Quiet Place, too. Highly recommend it. John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are... Whew, I would pay to watch their porn. But that's not what this is about. They wrote a movie. That's not their art. Their art is a movie. And John directed it, and Emily Blunt was in it. She's so hot. And it, the quiet, A Quiet Place, there's one and two. That's why, hence The Quiet Place 2. Great movie. Highly recommend it. I wanted a lot more out of it, but I liked what I got. We saw the movie in New Jersey. We went to a theater in New Jersey. And you forget, when you live in a major city, especially when the major city you live in is New York City, Everywhere else kind of sucks a little bit. You're, it's fine, but you're like, yeah, you know, it just kind of go. It New Yorkers do have an air because we're right. But you know, if you live here, you know. Um, <laughs> oh, we're cocky pieces of shit. But we were in the theater, and the movie started. My friend and I, and we had popcorn, and it was in the recliner seats that were hopefully pleather. And these fucking teens. <laughs> These fucking group of teens were just being real loud at first when the movie started. And then, you know, that thing that plays in every movie theater that's like basically a nice way of telling you to shut the fuck up so that people don't get pissed off and want a refund during the movie. It's like, ooh, we're going to be quiet now, right? <laughs> and sometimes it's like a roller coaster with like fucking popcorn and you're like, wee. Whenever it's the roller coaster one, I put my hands in the air. Because I don't give a fuck, y'all. I'm crazy. Let it show. Who gives a shit? Life's too short to be worried about what other people think of you, huh? Isn't it? Right. I know. But these fucking teens, first they were quiet, and then somebody in the theater yells, shut up! Like, they were so upset that these teens were talking. But it was just the beginning. Like, I always figured they were going to shut up anyway. I'm not one of those people that's like, tells somebody to shut up even if it's in a movie. Although sometimes when it's so obnoxious, I take great joy 
in finding creative ways to tell, tell someone to shut the fuck up, like when it's really called for and there's not a chance in hell that I'm being a piece of shit, you know, like I'm actually being a hero because everybody else thinks the same thing, but they don't want to say it. But during the start of this movie, some woman was just like so upset that these teens were talking and then they stopped talking. But then during the whole movie, they kept on leaving. Like one of them was breaking up with somebody or something. To cut, it was something. And then wh- I heard somebody go, uh, I'm like, all right, can you get fingered somewhere else? Teens, get out of here, teens. And then I was like, when I was a teen, I didn't do that in the movies. But yes, I did. I sucked a dick when I saw Peter Pan. I sucked Evan's dick. Um, this guy named Evan. I really liked him. But everyone was like, Christina, he's gay. And I'm like, you're just jealous because I like somebody. And they're like, nope, that's not it. And I'm like, no, it is. And they're like, nope, he's gay. I'm like, well, well, so we can still be, he. well, he'll let me suck his dick. Probably because he can close his eyes and imagine that anyone's sucking his dick, but whatever. I still like him. So yeah, we saw a movie this weekend, this past weekend. (laughs) The Quiet Place. It's a great movie. When there's no teens ruining it for you, goddamn. (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to... So I talked about before how... (laughs) Song lyrics today. I really sound like a 70-year-old man. Song lyrics today. It's just not what they used to be. Before I was born. There's a song, I, I created a song, a playlist on Spotify, it's called Mustang Playlist, and it's just songs that make me feel cocky as shit in this hot fucking car. Because <laughs> my dick is huge. And so, but one of the songs is Dick by Starboy 3, S-T-A-R-B-O-I, the number three. Thank you so much. Oh my God, it's so unique. Um, and I was, I don't know, that song just popped in my head. And then I, it got me thinking, because those lyrics, it's called Dick. You can imagine what it's about. And then it got me thinking about all the uh, all the lyrics that were written in the 60s about love that were just, I mean, also problematic in that they were too nuanced. Like, and I use the word problematic very lightly as a comedian. But, you know, it was just like, oh, look at the glimmer in your eye. And we went from that to... Put your clit on my nose. Like, all right. Can we, is there some in-between? Maybe we can find the in-between. But I did a mashup, and I'm just going to do a poetry reading for you, of uh, the song Dick by Starboy 3, lyrics intertwined with the song by the Beatles, I Want to Hold Your Hand. See if you could guess which one is which. I feel like you can do it. All right, I'm just going to read it. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you something. I think you'll understand. When I say that something, I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. And when I touch you, I feel happy inside. It's such a feeling that my love, I can't hide. I can't hide. I can't hide. She made some plans with my dick tonight. She's not with him tonight. She's not with Jim tonight. She's in the gym with a G tonight. I added that. Work out in that pussy, A. I'm getting ripped tonight. R.I.P. that pussy, A. I'm going in tonight. Yeah, you got that something. I think you'll understand. When I say that something, I want to hold your hand. She likes to sit on that cock. A. She likes to do it a lot. A. She, I make her scream for her mom. A. I make her scream for her pop. A. Ew. And she got that ice, ice baby. Suck the cock, cock. Got me like, I like it, I like it. Baby, please don't stop, stop. Oh, please say to me, you'll let me be your man. And please say to me, you'll let me hold your hand. You'll let me hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. 
Shouty getting freaky going on a pe- peaky. Shouty get- seeing the ice and the chilling of the pinky. What? <laughs> and I got that ice ice baby on my pinky. Shouty says she like like ready because she's freaky. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Could you tell which one was which? Could you tell which one was which? No. All right, asshole. It's <laughs> just what the fuck? I mean, and of course there are love songs today that are written that are just like really beautiful, but I just love comparing the two. It's like when you eat a hot piece of fudge chocolate cake and there's some ice cream on it. I enjoy both because they're different and they're being mashed up. I'm in a good mood, guys, because I've been like meditating, like working on myself and stuff. But um, I just feel like something shifted in a positive way. Thank God. Look, I will have some bad days. Trust me. There, I'm not. No one's immune to that. We're on Earth, y'all. Look around. Hell is here. Okay. But if you're mad at somebody, see if you can forgive them. And I don't say that for their sake. I say it for your sake. Because I think of the people that I'm mad at, and I go, eh, I forgive you. Like, what you did sucked. That doesn't mean what you did didn't suck. And it doesn't mean that what you did made me cry, cry, cry as I hug my rocks. I mean, you hurt the fuck out of my feelings, but I forgive you. Try it with something small. You know, see if you can see if you could see, this might help you. See if you could see the little child in them, in that person, if it's a person you're mad at. Or, you know, fuck that person. Just accept what they did. Just accept that they did a shitty thing. You know, you don't always have to be like, okay, well, I guess his dad fucked him up when he was seven. (laughs) Cool, fix it. You know what I'm saying? I feel like when we dig inside ourselves and we figure out, oh, that's why I do that. That's our job as people, ideally, to figure us out. You don't got to figure everybody else out. Sometimes it'll help your sanity a little bit because sometimes people do shit and you're like, wait, what? Wait, wait, what? Wait, what? You know? And so it really, you're going to rack your brain until you kind of solve the mystery with your Scooby gang. But other times you just fucking, you don't have to break that person down and figure out what they did and how their parents were. Just accept that they're a piece of shit. Or accept that they're a dick or whatever whatever layer it is. You know what I'm saying? God, am I poetic or what? Do you have your dick in your hand because I'm so goddamn poetic? Is your dick crying? Oh, that's nice. That's nice. So I, I was scrolling through Instagram um, and somebody had a quote that said, the truth doesn't mind being questioned. I think that was Questlove, I think. But don't, don't quote me on that quote. <laughs> okay. The truth doesn't mind being questioned. I, I, I think about that a lot since I read it. That's a good thing to keep in mind. But then I think about how I get defensive. I do get to... I've, look, I've lied before. <laughs> I'm 33 goddamn years old. I got a lot of lies under my belt. Because I'm a human being. You've lied too, so fuck you. Don't all get mad at me. Just about big stuff and little stuff. A lot of little stuff. Because usually my lies were to make other people feel better because I didn't want to tell them the truth because I didn't want them to be sad. But whatever, a lie is a lie. And then when people go, nah, that's not true. I'm like, what do you mean, you bitch? But there is this part of me that uh, when a parent looks at you, like when you're a kid and your parent 
accuses you of something and you, you genuinely didn't do it, that is a suffocating fucking feeling. Especially for parents, if you have a parent that's just like steadfast on, I actually witnessed my friend's parent do that to her. And I was suffocated for her. I'm like, I was there. Hello? Do we not want to witness? I was there. Do you want to witness? And they're like, this isn't about you, Christina. Right? But it's about your kid and you're accusing your kid of doing something. But I know, I mean, I agree with, he didn't do, she didn't do it. That happened a lot. Adults, man. Adults, you grow up and your head gets all fucked up. That's basically adulthood. And then you got to undo it. Like one of those big ass rubber band balls. You got to, you can't use scissors. You got to remove those rubber bands by hand until all you're left with is a little wad of foil. But yeah, the truth doesn't mind being questioned. Just want to throw that out there. Also, does anybody else do this? I do this thing. (laughs) I am so odd with sleep. Sleep and I have an interesting relationship because I get so deep into sleep that it's really hard for me to wake up. Actually, somebody had emailed me. I was going through the emails before to pick out some magical ones to read at the end of the episode. Don't worry, I will. They're so fucking good. Please keep telling them to me. And this woman was uh, commenting on a, an email, I, an older email I read about somebody going like going places in their dream. Like they would go to all these places and hang out with friends and stuff. And this woman who had written me recently said um, like she'd wake up exhausted because she like did so much in her dream. And I'm like, I wonder if that's what it is. I don't know. But either way, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is I'll get up early in the morning. Sometimes I'll fall asleep. Two things will happen. I'll fall asleep and then a half hour later or an hour later, I'll wake up as not as if it's the next day, but as if it's in like hours later. And without even thinking, I run upstairs to my kitchen and eat something and then run back downstairs like someone's chasing me. And then I fall right back asleep. In the morning, I if I have to get up early. See, this is why it was so much easier when I had a boyfriend who lived with me because he could make sure I woke up on time and I didn't have to do it like a goddamn adult. But in the morning sometimes, if I have something early and I'll go to bed and I'll go, Christina, don't cancel this in your sleep. Like, I'll wake up and I'll text somebody. Like, if I, I, my my trainer, Talia, oh, shoot, I got to text her. Tell her when I'm available to work out. God damn it, I forgot. I'll, if I have, I'll say to myself, okay, I'm going to schedule some workouts early and I'm going to get up because I'm a goddamn grown ass woman and I need to be getting up earlier. Not at 1130. Because... I could say that it's my lifestyle. I'm at the comedy clubs till three. No, I'm fucking up till 4 a.m. reading personal self-help audiobooks. Okay, that's what I'm fucking and smoking weed and working out like that's what I'm doing. Not at the club. So it's totally preventable. But it's really hard for me to just go to sleep early. And by me early, I mean before 2 a.m. But I'll get up if I have like a a early workout session because I want to get up early. I want my day to start early. I'll fucking get up, cancel it. At like, I'll wake up at 8 a.m., cancel it, text Tally and go, oh, you know, I can't. Can we reschedule? And I'll, I don't even remember what I say to her. And then I'll, I'll, I'll turn my alarm off. So there's like part of me that's awake, obviously. And then all of a sudden, four hours later, I wake up and I go, God damn it. Did I cancel and turn my alarm off? Like, it's like I act without my knowing or something. Like, I do briefly remember it. Can't blame it on aliens or demons. That's just me being a lazy piece of shit, I guess. I don't know. But does anybody else do that? I mean, waking up and eating and then waking up and canceling things is really something I wish I could stop. <laughs> Maybe I just got to handcuff myself to the bed, but that's not going to work. I feel like I'm way more clever when I'm half asleep and don't really know what's going on. That's fucked up. Yeah, Kevin, play with it now. No. 
Kevin is really, um, he really doesn't like when I talk on this thing because he just starts squeak, squeak, squeaking. But yeah, let me know if anybody else does that because that's really, that's really bugging me. Oh, guys, okay. I keep watching Haunted on Netflix. Don't know how every fucking person on the goddamn planet is not talking about this show, okay? Holy shit. So you know how demons is real? Well, guess what, y'all? Aliens is real, too. Yo, aliens is real. I repeat, Houston, aliens is real. I'm in outer space. They're standing right next to me. This woman, and like I said, when I first talked about the show, these fucking people are not lying and they're not full of shit. They are very clearly traumatized. They're fucking crying in this creepy ass set that Netflix built with a little little group circle and they're recalling the story that traumatized them. This woman, okay, y'all. So she's telling the story. She grew up in Alabama. Shriver's something Shriver whatever. She grew up in Alabama. And one day, her mom had cancer. Her mom was dying of breast cancer. And then she was out in the middle of a field where she fucking lives. There's a trailer on the field in the field. Like, she lives in a trailer. But it's in the middle of a field. And then one morning, there's three aliens. She said, I always saw them in three. It looked like they had six-pack abs. So I'm like, sweet. Aliens are working out? Awesome. And they were just staring at me. And it was weird. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And then the next day, or the next, in the middle of the night, my room lit up in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, I wake up in my bed, and basically, I'm like, what happened? And that happened dozens of times as a child, and I was getting weird pains in my body, and the aliens were doing operations on me because I started getting pains in my abdomen. I had to go to the ER. My dad took me to the ER. And then when they went to put an IV in me, I had a flashback, and I was like, oh, yeah, aliens was operating on me. Yo, what? Okay, and this woman's telling the story clearly clearly not lying i mean look at her fucking face she's not fucking lying y'all and in the circle of people is her boy the guy that she met and fell in love with thank god all these people that have been like haunted by demons and aliens or whatever found like true love like it seems like most of these stories that are terrible the person eventually like meets their like soulmate it seems and i'm like well that's good at least they deserve that give them that one lord or whatever the fuck you are but in the circle was an al- a UFO researcher in the, you know, this storytelling circle and uh, her, the woman's cousin, a, a female who they kept, the, the director kept cutting away to the cousin who was giving her like, are you sure looks? And I'm like, guys, look at her face. She's sure. I don't even know the bitch. And I know that she's sure. OK, so we don't got to question it. Think she's been through enough. And the UFO researchers, this older guy, seemed like a sweet guy. Not a, like, not like, she seems like, he seemed like a scientist kind of guy. He was part of the circle, and he, because he's had a lot of people. Apparently, in the area of Alabama that she lives, it's very common, this alien, this whole alien thing. But the cousin, there was one cutaway where she was, the woman was saying, so she moved away to college, and she was like, cool, the aliens will never come get me because I'm not in that Alabama place. I'm not in that house. Well, guess what, y'all? The aliens found her. And she said that when she woke up, she woke up with these symbols that looked like tattoos on her body that would disappear after a couple days. And then one time when she was in college, she lived in a dorm by herself. The She was risen up into the air after her room lit up. 
And the you know how the top if you have a ceiling fan, the top of it usually is covered in dust because no one fucking dusts the top of their ceiling fan except if you're me and you you're like maybe if I clean I'll earn my mother's love, but you still don't. And you're like, well maybe if I'll scrape all the all and then nothing works. But uh, but this woman uh got picked up at and taken out of her dorm room, and she was and then she recalled the aliens shoving a probe like object up her vagina. Yes, you heard that correct. And when she said that, she was crying cuz it fucking happened. She got like alien raped basically. And it cuts to the it does a zoom in cut on the cousin who's been like doubt not doubting her the whole time but like are you sure like no like she you could tell though she's not a cunt, she just doesn't want to believe it. Do you know what I'm saying? But then when she, the woman was like, yeah, the aliens put a probe like object in my vagina. The cut that they do to the cousin is like a little cartoonish and fucking rude. I'm like, all right, guys, that was rude. That was that was rude. We get it. This is a dramatic show. (laughs) But then she said, I went to one of my parents friends. I guess she assumed that they would believe her like they would. I guess they were like a stoner or something. And. The woman goes, I went to one of my parents' friends and I told her that my room would light up in the middle of the night. And the friend was like, let me stop you right there and finish the story. You get sucked up into their spaceship and get operated on and then you wake up. Back. All you do remember is waking up back in your bed. And the woman was like, wait, what? Yeah. And so that she explains that moment was like one of the biggest reliefs of her life that she wasn't crazy because she was like, my mom was dying of cancer. I didn't want to be that cunt kid. That's like, cool, mom, I get that your breast cancer spread to like your whole body and you're slowly suffocating. But um, there's aliens in our yard. So can we like figure that out? Like she was just so selfless and didn't want her cancer dying mom. So no, even though death is real and time is bullshit. I mean, that episode, guys, aliens is real. Aliens is real. Aliens is real. And the woman had to end up getting a hysterectomy. And the doctor was like, there's all these fibroids and tumors in your in your uterus that weren't there like a day ago. I mean, Jesus Christ. And then the episode ends because these episodes, P.S., do not have satisfying endings <laughs> at all. So don't expect them because if you do, you're just setting yourself up for goddamn disappointment. But then at the end, the episode ends with her going, I guess I'm just going to be studied and tagged by aliens my whole life like I'm a a goddamn animal, which we all humans are animals. We're mammals. But part of me always wondered, like, I feel like aliens just think we're big, stupid, dum-dums. Like, I've kind of always wondered, like, I've always kind of assumed that or kind of playfully thought that my whole life. But I don't I've never had an experience with aliens. Not that I know of. Maybe I'll remember in a dream. But yeah, aliens is real. I mean, what are you going to do? Aliens is real. How, why? I I want to live in a world where I turn on CNN and they're like, guys, demons and aliens are real. Can we focus on that? Isn't the Pentagon, wait, U.S. government to release UFO report? Because remember when Trump was president and aren't you so glad he's not president anymore? Remember when Trump was president and they were like, uh, hey, here's a video of an alien caught by a Navy fighter jet. And you're like, uh. Yo, these stories are way better than the fucking government's evidence. And we, you know, the government got harder evidence than that. They're just trying to dangle it. So, uh, you know, in a convenient time for them so that we're thinking about aliens and not thinking about, you know, fucking all the terrible shit because we live on hell, a.k.a. Earth. You okay? UF's government report may arrive as soon as next week. When was this written? Oh, my God. Deadline.com. I get it. 
Cool. Chris Rock is in is in Fargo. I don't care. Okay. Yeah, you okay, this is deadline Hollywood. That's funny. US government you um UFO report using military intelligence may arrive as soon as next week. That was written May 29th. Oh my god, that was so like any day now. Yo. Yo. Cool. That's cool. All right, so maybe next week I'll tell you about those aliens. But honestly, that report's probably going to be so fucking boring. I mean, I hope it's not. Because aliens is real, y'all. <sighs> Wait, I got to get a piece of paper and write this down. Guys, let's, you know what? It's time for, it's time for, to get about, forget about aliens for just two minutes. And let's do some fuckboy theater. Okay. <laughs> some fuckboy theater and forget about aliens and remember that some men are absolutely goddamn awful (laughs) okay but some of them are great no some of them are great um so this i got in an email and i haven't i'm gonna read it to you for the first time live on the mic so this email is from a woman and she just said hey my roommate received this message from a guy she gave me permission to share this and i was like okay and the subject was fuckboy theater. So I was like, let's just do it. Let's just read it. So I don't know if this guy's truly fuckboy or not, but let's find out together, okay? <clears throat> this is going to be the world record longest text. So sit down. <laughs> At this point, I have nothing to lose. So fuck it. Love me a man with nothing to lose. I'm aware of the fact that m- the more a dude tries to get a girl, the more it just pushes her away. But I don't care. Oh, you don't now. Oh, good. Keep talking. This is the first time in my life acting like a simp bitch. So this is uncharted territory for me. I feel like it's not going to be your last, though. Keep in mind, I'm not at all desperate for a girl. Oh, you're not? In fact, every single girl I know wants me. Oh, that's good. Why don't you go hang out with them? One girl even slit her wrist and got suicidal because I didn't want her. Oh, this boy is a very special piece of shit. You have no idea how many women would kill to be in your shoes right now. Oh, my God. I hate this man. I am aware of my worth. I'm aware that I'm confident as fuck, funny as hell, highly intelligent, can fix things, adventurous, hard worker, have tons of drive, passion, goals, and all the other shit women love. But it's crazy. I've never had a girlfriend in my life. You know, that is crazy. I wonder why. (laughs) Not because I can't get one, but because I'm picky as fuck. I know I have options, but it's tough to find a woman I want. And then you came along. Been nine years since I've had a genuine interest in a woman. Maybe you're gay. (laughs) But honestly, I don't even know if I like you. I don't know you super well. If I really get to know you, there's a chance I may not even like you. Like, what if I find out you poop? There's a potential. That's a potential deal breaker. Okay, what the fuck? This guy is on crack. That's why I want to know you more. We've been talking on and off for like two years, I think. There's just something about you. I feel we have similar personalities. I think we would click. Few things I do know is you're cool. And he spelled you're wrong. A surprise to no one. You're cool, funny, intelligent, a hard worker, and the sexiest fucking thing on this planet. Your voice is the most unreal sound I've ever heard. Is this guy 10? Could listen to it all day. You are the only person I've ever enjoyed texting. Otherwise, I hate texting. You even have my favorite name, April. We have the same first letter in our names. 
We could be the A team. Not saying you will ever be my woman, but if you were my woman, you will be the safest you will ever be. I will protect you. I've been victorious in every fight I've been in. If you don't want to move forward with this and get to know each other, I'll be fine. Just realize you may never find a real man like me ever again. You have nothing to lose. Figure I'd shoot my shot one last time. Peace. And scene. Scene. Wow. Wow, guys. That was just a fucking work of art. That was a work of art. I can't even believe it. We're really lucky to be in the presence of such angels. Do you know what I'm saying? Like such poetic. Guys, masculinity's fucking us up, okay? Can we stop with it? Can we stop with the masculinity bolt, the, the, the toxic kind of it? No one likes it. No one enjoys it. Not even professional wrestlers. Okay, before I read, I'm going to read this chapter on love and then I'm going to read some of your magical emails. Some of them are very funny. I got a lot of emails that are short, so I'm going to read a couple. And then the last one's long. Um, but, oops. <laughs> I made a realization, I made a click uh, last week, and it, in the moment it felt really big. And I just wanted to share it with you guys, just in case this uh, this spawns a self-exploration on your part. Maybe it will, maybe it don't. You can tell me, go fuck off, you can tell me, whatever, I don't care. Can't hear ya. Podcasting's a one-way intimate relationship. Woohoo! But uh, I had We're Not Banging at the stand last week, and there was two shows, and I coasted with Justin Silver, and there's some, sh- there's some rooms in New York City, like some comedy clubs or some bars that I just don't do well in. The stand downstairs, the room downstairs is kind of hit or miss for me, but I've not, I think I've mostly bombed there. When I say bomb, I'm using that word lightly. I've been doing this for a while, so I'm not totally terrible, but not, when I don't live up to my standards, that's a bomb. So, uh, so we had the show, both shows, they went really well. We booked, I mean, the, the lineups were absolutely goddamn incredible. And I hosted the first one. Justin hosted the second one. And the whole time I was on stage hosting and then when I did my set for the second one, I just felt like I felt like my fly was down or there was a booger coming out of my nose. Like I felt like I couldn't connect with the audience because they knew something that I didn't. That's the only way I know to describe that feeling. And it's a very familiar feeling. Going to therapy for years and having a therapist consistently ask, when was the first time you remember feeling that causes me to actually, you know, interrogate myself when this pops up, which is good. So I was like, oh, I wonder. So I went home that night and I was like, I there's this feeling of like, I think I'm I'm secretly a loser and no one wants to tell me like that kind of thing. I think I don't think that's an uncommon feeling for people to have imposter syndrome, kind of, but not really. It's more like everyone in this room knows something that I don't and I could feel it. That's how the that's what the feeling is. And it kind of drives me a little nuts, but I guess I've learned to push it down. So I came home and I was thinking about it a lot. I'm like, when do I remember? Like, this feeling makes me feel like shit. I hate it. And I something clicked in me that I was like, holy fuck, that's what it is. And I started wailing like a baby. And not I wasn't actually sad as I was crying, but I could tell it was just residual feelings. Like, not even sadness, but just like, just old feelings from being a kid. So I said on the first episode ever of this podcast that I uh, I am a sperm donor baby. I found out... Because I got a 23andMe kit originally for my mom because she was adopted and I wanted to do it. And then uh, two women DM'd me saying that they were my half sisters. And I was like, uh, what? And I thought it was a joke. 
So I called my mom up and I recorded it on video because I was like, oh, I'm about to find out my family's not my family. LOL. <laughs> you know, and so I recorded it as a video on my iPad. And uh, <laughs> and then and then it turned out those two women's was right. And I was a sperm donor baby. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, that's going to take a second to sink in, huh? <laughs> and so I my mom revealed to me that she'd never told anybody before. She never told her friends. She never told, because it was agreed upon on the basis that I will never know and nobody else will ever know. Well, now I'm telling it to the world. Because I'm not ashamed of the secret and it's my fucking story. So I'm going to talk about it. Uh, It's just me justifying myself out loud, (laughs) if you couldn't tell already. And so, but my mom is, my mom has, she's a really sweet soul. Like her, her genuine self, her genuine spirit is just very sweet and very naive and very, um, she has a lot of sides to her like anybody, but she's very sweet. And guilt, guilt is weighs heavy on her. That's the kind, that's the kind of person she is. I mean, me too. But uh, she takes it. She takes it hard. And so I realized growing up my whole life, you know, babies, I've talked about this before with citing studies and, and quoting my, my therapist who reminds me of this all the time. So I'm going to remind you guys all the time. If a baby doesn't get held uh, by a by a maternal figure or like a, by a parent, if a baby doesn't get held by a human being, it doesn't have to be the biological parent. But if a baby is not smiled at and held and played with, it can have all the goddamn food and diaper changes and clean clothes in the world. It will die. Uh, based off of there, there's so many studies that talk about this, how nurture and love is actually essential to life, to to human life, and and to animal life. And when a, when for example, if the parents are hate each other. The baby, even though it can't talk, and even though the even if the parents are not fighting in front of the baby, the baby can pick up on it. Babies, we're all, when you're a baby, baby human beings are are sponges, and they're very perceptive, extremely perceptive. It might be the most perceptive you will ever be in your entire life is when you're a child, um, because then you just grow up and you learn to build those walls, baby. Woohoo! Let's build a wall around my heart. Let's build a wall around my soul too And a wall around my joy And a wall around my doubt And a wall around everything I am Yes So you garbage, you build walls But uh, when you're a child you perceive everything So I, it clicked on me I'm in my apartment after We're Not Bang We did two shows, I'm exhausted I'm sitting in my apartment, it's dark I have have the lighting very dim at night It's dark and uh, None of the lights are on But the shades are up so I can kind of get the street lights in And I created a very pensive lighting environment so I can, you know, think and find some answers. And I did. And I go, holy shit, my mom felt guilty about the sperm donor thing her whole life. And because I I really did sense the release of guilt when she told me, I mean, I have it on video, (laughs) of when she told me and she's like, I can't believe I'm telling you this. I can't believe... I can't actually believe I can talk to you about this is wild. And I could tell how much it weighed on her. I felt that as a kid. So and I and I, you know, when you're a baby, you don't you can't put together thoughts. Well, you probably put together thoughts, but you don't have words yet. So that's got to be tricky. It's just it's all feelings based. I felt that something was off my entire life. And I felt like, are my parents not telling me something? Something's going on beyond the mental illness. If anything, the mental illness was very obvious. It was not subtle the way this was subtle. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and I know sometimes mental illness can be a subtle thing, but the, with my particular situation, it was not. It was very 
this, I'm mentally ill right now. Get away. Like it was very clear. So there wasn't as much, there's confusion as to like what's happening, but I knew that, you know, shit was at play. I knew there was something off and we talked about it a, a very little bit, but it was at least acknowledged in the look in the person's face. Do you know what I'm saying? This, what I'm talking about, this guilt thing with the sperm donor not telling me, this was not articulated or uttered or anything. My parents, I don't think ever talked about it with each other because it, it didn't seem like they really had a lot of discussions about it. It's just once they made that decision, that was the decision and so and so forth. So I'm like, holy shit, I felt that guilt. And what that did was, I, I'm I'm predicting here, but when I when I put these thoughts together, I'm like, this feels right. I mean, who fucking knows, right? I'm not, and I, please don't ever think that when I spout out theories on this about myself or about others that I know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I, I, I'm just going off of feelings. And so I think that I perceived something was off the whole time but there was no way of me of going as a child. Hey, guys, does anybody feel guilty? I feel like there's like an elephant in the room that I'm not, that no one's talking about, but I could be wrong. But let me know. No child is going to say that. I barely learned to fucking say that when I was 30 goddamn years old. Okay? I'm just learning to say that now. So I'm like, I think that might have fucked me up. That fucked me up possibly more than the other shit. <laughs> but, but realizing that, I cried and I cried and those tears were thick. Those tears were thick, y'all. And I don't know, I just felt lighter ever since I made that realization. I'm like, damn, something that little. And I told my therapist about it the next day. Thank God I had therapy the next day. So I was like, ooh, I'm fresh off this feeling, doc. Let me throw it at you and you see what you think. And she was very impressed with me. I was the ace plus student. She's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense that you would you would be able to sense that. And that would make me in turn uh, look at my own intuition and gut feeling and go, well, I guess you're broken because I feel... It's like something's up this whole time, but nothing is. So I guess I'm a fucking stupid ass piece of shit. <laughs> it's always that's always where I, my go to. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, damn it. I fucking picked up on that guilt my whole life. Didn't know what it was. I thought I was stupid. And then I just made that connection now. So, hey, better late than never, guys. Better late than never. All right. I'm going to read some wise words about the a subject, a chapter 12 of Daddy Hawkins book, Letting Go, The Pathway to Surrender. And it's about love. We can all get behind that, right? I fucking love love. And that's not just romantic love. One thing that keeps popping up in every single book I've been ingesting lately is you have everything you need inside yourself. And to me, I'm like, Really? I don't have a Mustang inside myself. Do you know what I'm saying? No, but you have the feeling of being in one inside yourself. I'm like, okay, cool. But like, I don't have, like, can you, I've always wondered, like, ever since I started hearing that sentiment, I'm like, wait, can you, you know, the feelings that you feel when you're madly in love or you're falling in love with someone and you're like, wow, this is my favorite person in the whole world. And you're like, everything's great. Things could go wrong. I could break my leg, but it's okay. I'm in love. Nothing matters. This is awesome. Can you get that feeling? Without actually being in love. And apparently you can. And so that's my next quest. Talking to ghosts. Getting those demons out of my goddamn life and everybody else's life. And then feeling in love while being alone. Can she do it? I think she can. Oh, no one asked you. No. Fuck you, man. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, love. But when I, this chapter is not just about romantic love. I think we we always go to the romantic love because that's really fun and it feels like a drug. But this talks about other ways of being loving and I just wanted to like throw it out there because you can't go wrong when you spread love. Okay. Love is what we have become through the pathway of surrender. It is a way of being in the world that says, how can I be of help to you? 
How can I comfort you? How can I loan you money when you're broke? And some people are like, don't owe people money. You don't know if you can trust them. But that's what Daddy Hawkins says. How can I loan you money when you're broke? That's a form of love. I'll fucking loan you money. I don't give a shit. How can I help you find a job? How can I console you when you've suffered a major loss in your family? Lovingness is a way through which, uh, which we light up the world. Oh, that's sweet. Lovingness is a way through which we light up the world. Oh, my God. That's such a beautiful sentiment. And it's like true and stuff. Love in everyday life. Everyone has the opportunity to, to, to contribute to the beauty and harmony of the world by showing kindness to all living things and thereby supporting the human spirit. Guys, make it your fucking on your to-do list, the top of your goddamn list, that you're going to contribute to supporting the human spirit today, okay? Just be nice to a flower. You don't got to do anything elaborate. (laughs) That which we freely give to life flows back to us because we are equally part of that life because we're all connected. Like ripples of the water, every gift returns to the giver. What we affirm in others, we actually affirm in ourselves. Once we become willing to give love, the discovery quickly follows that we are surrounded by love and merely didn't know how to access it. Ha ha, you've been tricked this whole time, y'all. Just love everybody and then you'll feel love and then everyone will be in love and then you'll be in love and everyone will be happy. Love is actually present everywhere. Its presence only needs to be realized. Love expresses itself in many ways. The little boy memorizes a ditty taught to him by his father and he is still able to say it 80 years later. The Navy sailor steers the ship through a terrible typhoon for three days nonstop without food or drink when all the shipmates are seasick. The doctor loves and prays for every patient without their knowing about it. The mother cleans up the messy pants of a young child with diarrhea saying, honey, it's not your fault. You couldn't help it. Oh, that's nice. The wife gets up early to make uh, coffee every morning just the way her husband likes it. And hopefully he does also things for her because it's mutual relationship. The doggy waits by the door for the owner to return and wags her tail or his tail when he comes through the door. The kitty purrs, the songbird sings. Typically, people think of love as romantic love, as in honey and sweetheart. But romantic love is only a minor part of the human of a human lifetime. There are many types of other love that personal romantic love and uh, other than personal romantic love. And they infuse our everyday experiences. Love of pets. Kevin, I love you so much. Kevin, you're my best. Kevin. Kevin. He's asleep. Kevin, you're my best friend. He just looked at me and said, you're my best friend too. Love of pets. Love of family and friends. Love of freedom. Love of purpose. Love of country. (laughs) Love of attributes. Love of creation. Love as virtue. Love as enthusiasm. As forgiveness. Acceptance. As a motivator. Love as appreciation. Love as kindness. Love as essence of relationship. As energy, as group energy, for example, Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, yeah, that's a loving ass environment. And also my Patreon group, The Misfits, that's the highest tier on my Patreon. And we do monthly therapy, OPS, that's going to be the last Tuesday of every month at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to join in, Um, because I have a person helping me now. I have two people helping me now get my life organized. And so we're going to pick a schedule for that. But anyway, that group feels very loving. Because in that group, I kind of run it just like group therapy. You talk about whatever you want. And then we can, you know, help each other out if we got experience. Oh, I have, I have an experience with this and this is what helped me. And it's just all love. And it feels really good. Ugh, I had the Misfits meeting last night and it felt really good. Um, love is, is a many splendored thing, as the popular song goes. Experientially, the statement is true. When we have surrendered all of the resistances to love and let go of negative feelings that block love, 
then the world is radiant with the splendor of love. On the level of love, this radiance is no longer hidden from us. Love facilitates healing. It transforms life. We see this in the true story about a duck hunter who was suddenly changed by witnessing an act of love. One day he was out duck hunting, which he often did for recreation. Oh, cool. So he just kills birds for sport. As per usual, as per his usual experience, he saw a duck flying, shot it and watched it fall to the ground, badly injured. Cool. Yeah. To his sudden amazement, he watched as the female mate of the injured duck immediately flew down on top of her companion and spread her wings over him to shelter him. Oh, I didn't read this part, guys. That's really sweet. That's really sweet. Seeing her love, the heart of the hunter was changed and he never hunted again. Oh, man. I'm not even getting my period, guys. That just story just really moved me. Oh, that's really sweet. Okay. Once you become loving, there are certain things you can never do again. And there are certain things you can do in the energy field of love that are impossible otherwise. Moreover, people do things for you that they would not do for others. Love makes possible the miraculous without labeling it miraculous. Love has a transfiguring effect. Sometimes it is best not to tell people that you love them because they'll get scared and think that you have designs on them or that you want something from them. Frankly, some people are afraid and suspicious of love. Yeah, I've met a few of them. Therefore, you love such people without telling them. Well, that's an interesting thing to specify and very helpful. Lovingness is a way of being that transforms everything around you because of the radiation of that energy. It happens of its own. We do not have to do anything. We do not have to call it anything. Love is the energy that silently transfigures every situation. Yeah, just hiccup right into the microphone. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. I love myself. I'll give myself that one. This means that people who are hateful will, in our presence, suddenly become more willing to forgive others. Ooh, that's good. I've been real loving lately, so maybe I just need to go up to hate people. They're not like not hate people, like to me, hate people, but like hateful people. That's really what I meant. We can see the person transform right in front of us. Letting go of anger, they will say, well, there's no reason to be so mad at him. He's too young to know better. They will find an excuse to defend the person instead of attacking him. Love empowers us and the people around us to do things that we would not be capable of otherwise. Forgiveness. Ooh! Forgiveness is an aspect of love that allows us to see life events from the viewpoint of grace. We forgive ourselves for the errors we made when we were less evolved. It is helpful to see the ego or small part of ourselves as a cute little teddy bear. The teddy bear is not bad. We don't hate it or scold the little bear. We love it and accept it for what it is, a cute little animal who doesn't know any better. We transcend the smaller aspects of ourselves by accepting and loving them. We see the ego as limited, not bad. In the energy field of love, we are surrounded with love, and that brings gratitude. We are thankful for our life and for all the miracles of life. We are thankful for the doggies. That's you, Kevin, and the kittens, because they represent love. That's goddamn true. We are grateful for every act of kindness from others, their affection, caringness, and thoughtfulness. Eventually, we just become love. Everything we do and say, every movement we make is energized by the lovingness that we have owned within ourselves. Wasn't that nice? Now let's talk about unconditional love. By continual surrender, we experience the state of unconditional love that calibrates at 540 on that scale, which is rare and occurs in only 0.04% excuse me, of the population. Well, I guess you can, you've got to be able to develop it, though. This energy is miraculous, inclusive, non-selective, transformative, unlimited, 
effortless, radiant, devotional, saintly, uh, diffuse, merciful, and selfless. It is characterized by inner joy, faith, ecstasy, patience, compassion, persistence, essence, beauty, synchronicity, perfection, surrender, rapture, vision, and openness. Those are all good words. Sign me up, Doc. We relinquish seeing the personal self as a casual agent. Everything happens effortlessly by synchronicity. Joy emanates from this inner subjective experience of our own existence. The power of the joy is subjective, not stemming from any source outside of oneself. Thus, the energy of motor performance is inexhaustible. We may dance with ecstasy all night in a candlelit chapel, as if being danced by the source of life itself. In that state, the innate perfection of stunning beauty of all that exists shines forth like a luminous radiance as the infusion of spiritual energy facilitates the transfiguration from perception to vision, from linear to nonlinear, and from the limited to the unlimited. While functioning in the world is possible at the higher vibration of love, high 500s, we may end up leaving the ordinary arena of commerce and abandoning our prior social milieu, <laughs> pronounce that right, fuck you, and occupation. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes I'm like, plus, what if I just all left it all and just went into the woods and made flower crowns? You know, it's fun to think about. <laughs> love illuminates the essence of, and therefore the lovability of others. This is because love opens the heart instead of perception, which perceives. The heart knows. Ooh, I love that. The mind thinks and argues, but the heart knows and continues. Ooh, touche, Daddy Hoggins, touche. So even when people make mistakes, we love them. Thoughts tell us one thing, but the heart tells us something else. The mind can be critical and disagree, but the heart is loving no matter what. Ooh, keep that in mind, you bitch. The heart does not put any conditions on what's out there. Only the mind does. Love makes no demands. A key to making love unconditional is the willingness to forgive. With forgiveness, events and people are recontextualized as simply limited, not bad or unlovable. With humility, we are willing to relinquish our perception of a past event. We pray for a miracle to see the truth about the situation or person, and we surrender all of our opinions about the matter. We look at the payoffs we're getting from keeping our perception of what occurred, and we let go of each little payoff, the pleasure of self-pity, of being right, of being wronged, and of our resentments. Eventually, we surrender the very idea of forgiveness. To forgive someone implies that we're still seeing the person or situation as wrong, and therefore in need of being forgiven. True, tr a true surrenderer means letting go completely of seeing it in any such way. When we, when we surrender, we, oh, whoops, I said that wrong earlier. When we surrender our perception completely, letting go of all judgment, then the whole situation is transfigured and we see the person as lovable. Since all judgments is really self-judgment. Ooh, I repeat. Since all judgment is really self-judgment, so when you're talking about somebody being a piece of shit, you're really talking about yourself being a piece of shit. We have liberated ourselves from the process. On the level of unconditional love, we love everybody and everything, even Adolf Hitler. Oh, okay, you had me at Hitler. You, yeah, okay. 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 We look at him as a person who was taking, oh, taken over by negative energies and are willing to forgive Hit, give Hitler who couldn't help what happened to him. Okay, that's a theory. He was overcome by evil. Instead of hating evil, we feel sorrow and compassion that people have become overwhelmed by such negativity. Hitler did what he thought he was required to do by honor. Okay, that was his contextualization at the time. 
He was kept. Okay, this guy is defending Hitler. Okay. All right. Well, hey. Okay. Even with Hitler, then we can see that he was dedicated and he thought he was being of service in what he did. I mean, yeah. In World War II, the kamikaze pilots were doing what they thought they should be doing for their country. And even though they were trying to bomb and kill us, it isn't necessary to hate them. We can respect their willingness to give up their life for their country. We can see that everybody who violates the law of love is really a victim of some societal belief belief system or the pressures of time. Okay. Okay. So Hitler, Hitler was a victim. Okay. Let's just sit with that, boys and girls and days and thems. Let's just, I'm just going to, I'm going to go into your spiritual. Okay, wait. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to read this whole chapter. Because I don't got time. Because I really want to make this not over too much over an hour. But yeah, think. Whew, there's a there's <laughs> there's a thought to ponder. Forgiving Hitler. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, that's uncomfortable, huh? <laughs> and I'm not laughing because I think. Well, I'm laughing because what's funny to me is how uncomfortable I feel. <laughs> I'm just gonna play this for a second while I deal with that. I gotta read these chapters more before I read them on the I mean I'm not I don't wow okay I mean hey yeah I see what he's saying I see what he's saying (laughs) oh man okay let's go into um your magical emails uh (laughs) this just makes me so uncomfortable uh because I just know people who have holocaust grandparents and it's just wow yeah 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 it's just wow okay but yeah he's got a point he's got a point Okay, I'm going to stop talking about that now. Let's get into some magical emails. I'm going to read a few before we leave today. Um, Please sign up for my Patreon, and I'll remind you again at the end of the episode. Okay, if you want to email me with a magical story about how the time isn't real and death is fake, the voices in our heads podcast at gmail.com. Subject line, my dying uncle's sign, Trump getting hit by a bus. (laughs) So now we're going to talk about we're going to go from forgiving Hitler to being okay with the man getting pummeled by a bus. Hey, Christina, back in October, my uncle was diagnosed with stage four SF some kind of cancer. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. We knew from the beginning that his prognosis was not good. This past weekend, he was moved to hospice. Knowing that he was nearing the end of his battle, I flew down to Florida to be with him in the days before his passing. We talked about all kinds of things, and I'm so grateful to have spent that time with him. One of the things we talked about was what we believe happens to you after you die. I told him that I believed that part of our energy remains in this realm and asked him to give me a sign from above that he was still around after he passed. I asked him if we could agree on a sign so that if it happened, there would be no question in my mind that it was him. He told me that if Donald Trump gets hit by a bus, it was him. (laughs) Normally, I wouldn't wish that anyone get hit by a bus, but in this case, I think I could make an exception. All my love. So that's funny. Um, I wanted to read that because you know how some like there's a lot of stories about people asking for a sign that you would think, okay, uh, my sign is a peacock, so you you expect to literally see a peacock crossing the street, but you also might be in a restaurant. All of a sudden, you look to your left and you don't know why, and there's a framed picture of the peacock. You know what I'm saying? So like maybe something else. So I wanted to put that out there in case. There is any any just putting putting that out there in case you see I don't know I, I don't know a cardboard cutout of him getting hit by a bus or something that could be a sign. So yeah, okay. Next magical story. Hi Christina, my name is Savannah. You could say it. My name. I am 
too on a spiritual journey and learning about things that I never thought were possible. I have never experienced ghosts or anything like that, so I never thought I would have a story to tell you. Then bam, my friend passed away on April 19th. I've never lost someone before besides my grandpa I barely saw in the fourth grade. This hit me pretty hard. It's very hard to, uh, to grasp and process. I've been talking to her and just so confused at the way life works. Yesterday at work, I work at a smoothie place. It randomly smelled like a nail salon, and that's a powerful smell if you've been there. Nobody was inside, and it was just me and a couple coworkers. I smelled it for probably 20 seconds, and then I realized maybe it was my friend because we used to get our nails done together frequently. I'm not great at my intuition just yet, so I kept doubting myself and thought my mind was just desperate to connect to her. Then today, I was talking to my girlfriend on the phone, and she is able to communicate to the spiritual world a bit. She senses ghosts frequently and can feel their energy. I told her the story about what I smelled and that it could be her, and she said, oh, that makes a lot of sense, and I asked her what she meant. She then said, someone has been telling me all day that we need to get our nails done together. I'm speechless, Christina. I am so beyond happy that my friend is okay. I've been, I can't believe she connected to me so soon. I'm just in shock. Once we got off the phone, I realized it. I realized I needed to email you. Whoever is grieving right now, don't give up. They are out there and they are okay. Don't doubt the signs like I was. Keep reading these emails. They really make my day, girl. I hope your nicotine withdrawal is getting better. Love you and give Kevin a pet for me. Kevin, Savannah says hi. He's sleeping, but he says hi back. All right, I'm Marie, two more. Uh, the subject line, oh, I'm going to cry. Get ready. Visited by my dead dog. Kevin, you're never going to die, right? We're going to live both live forever and we're going to die on the same day, okay? <laughs> Hi, Christina. I know a lot of people have been sharing these stories of them being visited by loved ones. And the other day, I finally had my own experience from my dog. Oh, that's so nice. Some backstory. I got this little guy when I was 12. His name was Bo, and he had been with me through everything. At times, it was like we're all we had. Oh, okay. A couple years ago, I had to put him down because he was just too old and wasn't having a good time anymore. The 13 years I had him were the best. Fast forward to the other day, I was on my usual walk when I saw a woman with her dog a couple blocks ahead of me. The dog was laying on the sidewalk facing towards me and his owner was trying to get him to get up, but he wouldn't. Oh my God, I see dogs do that all the time in New York City and it's so fucking funny. In New York City, dogs will just quit in the middle of their walk and they're like, nope, we're lying down now. And the owner's like, uh, come on. And it'll be like a giant, like a German shepherd. And they're like, nope, I'm lying down now. That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> uh, I could tell she, I could tell she gave up and just decided to stand next to him until he decided to get up. <laughs> that's what it is. What happens? That's so funny. I finally got closer to the dog that looked so similar to mine. Immediately. It got up and came to me. I asked if I could pet him, and he started jumping on me and giving me all the love and kisses. I had the weirdest feeling that this was my dog. We had talked for a solid five minutes while all I got... Well, I got all the dog love. I took a picture of him and immediately sent it to my mom and explained the whole situation freaked and freaked out over the phone. I'd never had a feeling like this, and it was so comforting uh, that like, I actually had my dog physically with me for the first time since I lost him. <sighs> I've been going through some shitty personal stuff lately, and it meant so much to me that he found me when I really needed him. Oh, that's really sweet. Attached are some photos of my bow and uh, one of this newfound twin, the one sitting on the sidewalk. Thank you for your podcast and taking the time to hear everyone's crazy stories. And then I looked at the photo and the dogs look exactly alike. Kevin, Kevin, I'm a, oh God, I love you so much. Don't ever leave me. 
so codependent on my dog. Okay, last email. This one is not about a death, but about connecting to somebody who's currently alive that you don't talk to anymore, which I think is really interesting. And I don't know that I've talked about this before. Um, I might have talked about it on Guys We Fuck because it has to do with dating and sex. But uh, when I sleep with a guy, and I think it's it's part. I think it's part of the reason why I don't. I don't sleep with, I don't sleep around not that that's a bad thing I just can't it fucking exhausts me even though I love sex so much I can't do it because I'm I'm connected to that guy whether I want to be or not so I'd rather not have a blackout fuck well I don't really blackout but I'd rather not have a drunken sex capades with somebody that might suck you know what I mean so but I can connect I can connect with men that I'm dating or seeing or sleeping with when they're not there it's in, in a in, it's, it's weird it's not bad. I don't think it's a bad thing. Like it doesn't. Sometimes it bumps me out because I'm like, if they're ha- if they're have heavy stuff going on, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> but one thing I can always tell is if I'm dating somebody, but we're not official, and they don't, they're like one out, or they meet. I can always tell if they meet somebody else. And if, even if the last time I saw them was yesterday, we had like a romantic, wonderful time, and then, but I'm like, I don't know. And then if we don't talk in a week, I and they met somebody, I I know it's only happened twice, but like I was right twice. And I, it was just like this knowing. It's not like a, not like some paranoid. I'm such a piece of shit. He's probably gonna leave me. It wasn't that at all. It was just like, oh, he met somebody he likes better. <laughs> That's okay. It happens. But I can fucking feel it. Okay. So I'm just gonna hang out by myself from now on. <laughs> no, I'm gonna meet someone. Okay. Last email. The subject line is so energetically connected to XBFF that I felt her pregnancy. Well, this one hits home for me too. Hi, Christina. I uh. I won't use my name for this, but I've had a few weird experiences lately, so I thought I'd like to hear uh, hear evolving, involving an ex-best friend. This isn't a ghost story, but maybe a psychic story, an astrology experience, perhaps. We were best friends, tight as fuck, for like eight years. I literally never thought our friendship would end. Yeah. I'd never been so bonded with another person like that. Yeah. Long story short, things got toxic. She was dealing with difficult things, and ultimately we just pushed each other away. We didn't talk for a year, and then one day we reconnected via phone call after I'd sent a meme she had always loved and couldn't find it on the internet. We reconnected slowly and steady. For about two years, we were cool. Hung out here and there, but it was nothing like we used to. But the chemistry was still there, until it wasn't. 2020 really pushed us apart. Expectations of each other, blah blah blah. Yo, guys, P.S. When you when you just surrender all your expectations of a person, you'll be amazed by what happens. Expectations of each other, blah blah. February of this year, during Mercury's pre-retrograde show, showdown, uh, she told me she'd rather not have connection with me any long uh, any longer. It hurt me like a motherfucker, but I respected her wishes. Days passed, and my boobs started hurting like I was going to start my period. They hurt for like two and a half weeks, and that was unusual. Yeah, that's wow. I was like, bitch, I'm pregnant. I took a pregnancy test. I was so convinced. I wasn't late, but my boobs hurt like I was showing signs of pregnancy. The test was negative. Thank Jesus. But I had this passing thought that maybe she's pregnant, my ex-BFF. A couple days pass, and I get a text from my friend saying that my ex-BFF just announced she was two months pregnant. Excuse me? Mercury was in retrograde at this point, so of course, that had me all fucked up for a minute. I was like, do I research? We reach out and congratulate? Is that disrespecting her boundary? Can I comment on her sister's post with congratulations? Ultimately, I decided a congrats via her sister's announcement post was appropriate. Times move along. It's May. Mercury's in pre-retrograde shadow again. 
that's some astrology shit if you don't know uh i don't i don't really know what, exactly what those words mean but i know it's astrology shit and i'm at work one day staying staying distracted probably listening to this podcast or guys we fucked oh my god thank you so much for your support and had this passing thought like i feel like one of her female family members had passed and i was like that's a silly thought and moved on with my day I got home that night, usual routine, check my phone before bed. I'm a photographer, and I took photos of her uh, family for a Father's Day gift one year, a couple years back. I see I have a Facebook notification on one of those photos that reads, R.I.P., sister, you will be missed. I was like, question mark, question mark, question mark. So I go look at every family member's page, and no one has said anything about it. So again, I was like, huh? Maybe that was a blip and someone fucked up. I'm very confused. But with no other signs she had passed, I went to bed. The next day, still nothing. Night comes, I get a text from my friend saying her aunt told me, told her that my ex-BFF sister had in fact passed. First of all, that's truly so saddening. And second of all, I knew this was coming again. I sent my ex-BFF a text with my condolences. She responds, thank you so much. My dad was friends with her dad years before we were born, so my parents attended her sister's funeral. I sent them with some flowers and a card, and when her dad saw my dad, he said, where's baby girl? My dad shrugged, and he said, why can't these two just get along? I sobbed when my dad told me. It's weird that I'm still so energetically connected to her, and she's still on this earth. It's not new for us to be connected in this way, because when we were friends, before we'd feel each other's pain from time to time. Uh, one day, while driving down the road, listening to Smashing Pumpkins sing Siamese Twins at the Wrist, we both got a twinge of pain in our wrists, and I believed we were soul sisters since. There's one more retrograde this year after we pass this one, and I'm hoping if I do energetically connect again that it's something positive. I hope this wasn't too long. Much love to those who are still energetically connected to people whom you have difficult pasts with. Oh, girl! Guys... Congratulations on not killing yourself. Uh, we made it through yet another week. Uh, I love you so much. I'm going to talk to you next Wednesday. Sign up for my Patreon. And if you don't want to do that, that's cool. Can you rate and review my podcast on iTunes so other people can listen to it? I love you so much. All right. Talk to you next week.
nothing you can see that isn't shown. There's no way you 